1: the boys chance to shoot back on his life foot Left us shot. and boys oh what a fire out of game the boys he scored that is so hot
0: hello and welcome to scarves around the funnel The podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who've found that winning feeling again. Thank God. I am Laurie Dunsire. Hopefully I was feeling, or sounding, slightly more upbeat. open this podcast after getting compared to reverend i am jolly um my opening last time out after six defeats in a row so uh, understandably maybe slightly more chipper this week um i am delighted to be joined again by someone who's also hopefully feeling reasonably positive Mm -hmm. mr mark donaldson
2: thank you to to everybody at heart of midlothian football club for my award um, it was it really means a lot to me. Um and if, if you're unaware of what the award is, it's the best tipster award for the person making the best <laughs> prediction of the season. And last week I did this insert audio here.
0: Oh yeah. Go on in Mark. What about you? Nail, nil <laughs> oh, oh, nil.
2: Nope, I've had enough of predicting I don't think I'll be nil nil, no, but I'm I'm not predicting a hearts win. I'm wondering if it's us that are the jinx. So I'm going nil-nil.
0: So Christ, it's not Nielsen, it's not Savage, it's those pricks and scarves around the funnel.
2: Okay, nil-nil it wasn't, but do you know what, Laurie, I was only seven goals out. It's that reverse (laughs) psychology. See, you'll never guess what I'm going to predict for the remaining Hearts games this season.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed, we did get a few messages from people saying, can Mark Donaldson predict (laughs) nil-nil for every Hearts game? After, uh, I mean, and to be fair, we tend to be crap at predictions anyway. It's just normally we predict Hearts win and they don't, um, not the other way around. We predict they don't win and they do. So, yeah, maybe we should have been predicting draws or or Hearts mm-hmm. defeats before. So, yeah, keep up with the the nil nil predictions. <laughs> we we are going to talk about Hearts. Ross Kenty. Um, before we get into the rest of the podcast, I know you mentioned awards. Um, so I did. Want to quickly touch on yeah. the fact the Hearts uh, play of the year awards took place at the weekend just past. Um, a, a, you know, a, a few unsurprising winners in there in terms of Lawrence Shankland picking up a couple, and um, I think special recognition to Craig Gordon. Save the season went to Xander Clark for his double save against hebs but I want to mention Stevie Morris who yes of course friend of the show has uh, been kind enough to come on as a guest a couple of times um Stevie got uh, given the inaugural foundation of hearts award which um, basically recognizes a heart supporter who's gone above and beyond to support the club um their fellow fans or has otherwise done remarkable work for the foundation and um what it says on that i'll take from the website this bit says stevie morris has won his for his exceptional bravery in sharing his story of being diagnosed with motor neuron disease and helping raise awareness in an emotional address stevie talked about his hopes for a cure for mnd one day and spoke of his deep affection for heart to midlothian um now we often repeat ourselves in a boring sense on the podcast um but i think one thing that we can't say enough is just you know how amazing what you know Stevie has been throughout everything he's gone through, and I think it was great just to see an award. And he, I messaged him um, afterwards, and he said he was quite emotional about it. But it was a terrific night. So I just want to mention that because I thought it was really nice that they you kind know, of they gave that to him on that in you know, that night. You know, when we're talking about players getting awards for goals and saves and st- such like, I think it's important that they recognise something which goes way beyond football and someone who has um, kind of stood up and just been. Pretty amazing over the last couple of years now.
2: Yeah, well said, well said. I messaged him as well to say what kind of Empire biscuit would top this award. <laughs> his his um, fondness for an Empire biscuit, it it's just it it was emotional, and I, I saw Stevie's post. Just said he was just um, prior to it, just ex- looking forward to a, a good night with the misses. But things took a turn, and uh, he wasn't expecting what happened. And yeah, I think. Stevie's a good example of of positive outlook, and when everyone we've we've all been through times where we've kind of thought, "Oh, this is shit," and whatever, but it pales into insignificance with what Stevie's going through, and to face everything with a smile on his face, and 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 while doing that, raising awareness and and fundraising as well for MND Scotland, and playing a huge part. He's he's a big big part of the Hearts family, and. For for that to be a,
0: an award for um for for Stevie um was yeah it was very touching, yeah he sent me some pictures afterwards as well um Cami Devlin with um I think Cat uh, McCallum market director and Joe Savage getting a selfie with him and everything so I think it was just it was just brilliant to see so I thought that would be worth mentioning I think that the most the most important award. Of the night, and one that I agree, we, yeah, we, we maybe hadn't anticipated, but certainly well deserved. So great for Stevie to get that. Um, in terms of this week's podcast, we are, of course, going to talk about Heart of Midlothian Ross County because it was very enjoyable, and we've not had many enjoyable Hearts games of late. So, we're going to have a little bit of a deeper dive into that one, and we're also going to talk about the top six fixtures which have been drawn and um, there'll be lots to discuss around those I know Mark wants to have his say on them and we've had a few messages on Twitter about what people are hoping for over the final five games of the season and um, we won't look ahead to the first game yet because there's no game this weekend um, but we'll see what else the podcast goes as we always do. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Okay, first up, Hearts against Ross County, which took place on Saturday lunchtime. Hearts on a losing streak of six, their longest losing streak since January 2008. And any more games added to that losing streak, and it would be their worst losing run since the 70s against bottom of the table, Ross County. Stephen Naismith's first game in charge at home as interim boss. And I haven't done this for a while because I don't like playing clips of defeats or opposition goals, but let's listen back to the best bits. I mean, the goals, because we've only got an hour of this podcast.
1: 1-2 with Janelli, drops the the edge of the box, right foot shot, goal! A fantastic brilliant. goal for Hearts. It's on the weaker foot of Alex Cochrane, it has been coming, it's been a tremendous opening 17 minutes here and Hearts draw first blood at Tank Castle, it's second of the season for Cochrane, Hearts and Midlothian 1, Ross County nil. Nicely picked up by Cancola, good touch to turn away from Devlin and Hearts have won the ball back nope. yeah, though, Devlin sends it forward, yeah, good pass, ball. Ginelli in behind, Ginelli into the area on the right Checks in onto his left, Janelli, 2-0! Magnificent, finish. Floats it into the back post, missed by everyone, picked up by Barry McKay. Left hand side, Cochrane, first time ball, back post towards Shankland, header, and three! Absolutely brilliant. Ball from Cochrane, header from Shankland, and Hearts go three ahead in less than 28 minutes. And it's 23rd of the season for Lauren Shankland. And Hearts are coasting here. Hearts 3, Ross County nil. Shankland steps up, scores as he always does. It's goal number 24 of the season. His 100% record from the spot continues. And before the halftime whistle blows, it's Heart of Midlothian at 4, Ross County nil. Giannelli get away from his man. 30 yards on goal, goes to the shot. Great goal from Giannelli! what a strike from the hard striker for his second goal of the game goal number 11 of the season they didn't see much on he was about 30 yards out and just picks out the bottom left corner Hartman Lothian 5 Ross County nil. Barry McKay getting away from him now to Oda edge of the box Yutaro Oda with a chance Oda still going left foot shot blocked almost holds back to him chip towards goal It's 6 now Oh, it's a hat-trick for Shankland! It's a cheeky dink, and it's the joy of six at Dyncastle! We still haven't hit an hour here! Hearts and Lothian six, Ross County nil, and it's 25 for the season for that man, Lauren Shankland!
0: What a win for Hearts. Um, I don't think you'd say the the victory itself was out of the blue, but I think the manner of it certainly took many of us by surprise, um, pleasantly by surprise. So Hearts going into the game, um, as I mentioned, on a, a poor run of form, but they did have a pretty decent head-to-head against Ross County, unbeaten in 11 games, um, albeit seven of those uh, were draws. In fact, this fixture does throw up quite a few draws. Ten of the last 15 meetings had ended all square. Um, County themselves had lost four out of five, and they were bottom of the table, as I mentioned, but shouldn't be overlooked at the fact that defensively, they have been very solid this season. In fact, before Saturday, they had the best defensive record outside of Rangers and Celtic in the league. So, despite where they are on the table, goal scoring has been their problems. At the back, they've generally been pretty solid. Uh, Hearts went with that 4-2-3-1 formation again with five changes outgoing. Smith, of course, is now injured. Kingsley, Halliday, Forrest and Grant. And then came Atkinson, Cochran, Harring, Oda and Ginelli. Haring's first league start since the end of August and Oda in for just his second league start. So, Mark, in terms of the, the team setup, um, a few changes, but shape-wise, not dissimilar to what we've seen from Hearts a few mm-hmm. times um, this season when they've gone with the back four. And certainly shape-wise, pretty similar to what Naismith started with against Hibbs. But what was very evident, and it's you know maybe partly due to personnel change, was formation, shape. Does not really matter ultimately, does it? It's about how you approach a game and how your team perform Mm -hmm. and I guess what you do in and out of possession. And it was very evident from the off that this was a much-changed Hearts approach despite the shape looking pretty similar.
2: Yeah, I spoke to one or two people at the club and they said Hearts trained like the way they played against Ross County. There was an intensity in training. It was high-tempo and players, having lost to Hebs, now had that extra few days with Stephen Naismith and the rest of the coaching staff. And and they basically continued what they did on the training field in the build-up to the Ross County onto the pitch. But isn't it amazing what can happen when you play players in, in their best position? Now, all three of us last week, Craig Fowler included... Kind of thought, well, what are we going to do? We, we all kind of kind of opted for a three at the back just simply because we weren't sure what what was going on. But we all brought back Alex Cochran, and I, I was delighted to see Alex Cochran back. I thought in I four. went with a
0: four, didn't I? No, didn't go with that team. I'm sure I said a four, though. Mm.
2: There was an agreement that, that that maybe three at the back. I don't know. Was it was an agreement that we to... didn't really know. <laughs> well, no one knew. No one knew. So it was great to see Peter Haring back, Alex Cochran at left back. Um, and, and Oda, the, the interesting comments from Andrew McKinley, the chief executive at the press conference, following the departure of Robbie Nielsen, kind of hinted that the January arrivals, certainly some or one of them would, would get more of a look um, between now and the end of the season. And, and we did see Oda. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I was so desperate for him to get a goal. Yeah, he everyone was. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Barry McKay. There wasn't a failure, and there was one thing that summed the game up for me, and it was Cammie Devlin. I thought Cammie was outstanding. Cammie had the chance to go back with a pass. Now, he was facing forward. The easier ball was probably to go back. It was a safer pass. But instead, he played it forward. This is in the first half. Can't remember who to. Can't remember if it was a build-up to a goal or whatever. But I just thought, that's not a pass that would have been made a few weeks ago. When hearts weren't confident, or when hearts were taking the safe option, just how well, we set up
0: the second goal. If that's the one, maybe you
2: mean. maybe it was that one. Um, I'd need to see it back, but I just thought, you know what, that is a pass that probably would have gone sideways or backwards over the past few weeks. But it wasn't. It was a it was an incisive pass. It was a more difficult pass than to go back. But it was a pass that they've obviously worked on, not specifically that one, but just working on going forward and and working on. That second ball and playing off and just just being more positive with pace. And it was it was great. It, it really was. And I know we'll get to the individual goals, um, but it was in the second half, the noise level at Tynecastle. Um, between Janelli scoring, Shanklin scoring, um, and just around that time when we could have scored far more, that was proper noise. That was a noise that I've missed.
0: Yeah, it was a terrific atmosphere, and I think the fans responded to what was happening in front of them. You know, the intensity from the pitch was kind of being um, was coming back at them from the stands, and I think it, you know, both sets, you know, fans and players, kind of um, played off each other in that sense. I think it helped. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much you would obviously you could you could dissect this game for for over an hour just in itself. But we'll, we'll talk about the goals because they sum up a lot of what was great about the performance. Um, I know Hearts started the game, they could have gone ahead before they got that opener in the 17th minute. But someone, another player who was, I thought, especially outstanding was Alex Cochran. Yeah. And um, he gets the, uh, he gets the the opener. And I think it's in commentary, you know, it sums up how we're playing just now. That's your left footed fullback mm-hmm. who's yep. pinging one in from the edge of the box on his right foot. But um, it, it was it, it was something that, that was the first thing I thought was really notable. Just not just the tempo was. Cochrane and Atkinson were doing that thing that is, I think it's what you see Celtic doing most more than anyone. I know it's a it's a trait that a lot of football clubs do now, um, but in particular in Scotland you see Celtic doing which which is the fullbacks turning into kind of central midfielders um, and getting into attacking central positions. We saw it at times last season, or there's certain games with the three we got the um, the wingbacks to kind of. Um, underlap and get into central positions, but this was a whole other other level. Like Cochrane, especially, was just getting forward at every possibility he could. And you know the goal: Shanklin spins, uh, Kenna really well, plays it to Ginelli, He lays it off, and it's Cochrane who picks it up and scores. And it, it's a lovely move. It's a great goal, but it was just that overload, wasn't it? Ross County didn't know what to yeah. do because because the fullbacks were turning into attacking midfielders there was too many men to pick up and it just gave us so many options, didn't it, in the final third?
2: Yeah, a lot of managers are trying it these days. Um, the best of which is Pep Guardiola, who plays a centre-back, John Stones, in midfield. And that allows overlaps all over the pitch if it's done correctly. And when it works, it's it's great. And Ross County couldn't handle it. They didn't play well. And it puts it into context. When one of their players wasn't even born when Hearts beat Gretna, to win the Scottish Cup in 2006. Dylan Smith was born a month after. If that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what does. But whether it was Dylan Smith or Randall or Yakaviti, who had a shocker at the back as well. Two things. You've got to put this into context. It's a great win. Fantastic win. And I want to just focus on the win because we've, we've had enough issues and results that we've had to dissect that we didn't really want to, but did anyway. Um, but secondly... It, it's a formation, and it's a performance that was outstanding against Ross County, but it's a formation that, as far as the game plan was concerned, you probably wouldn't get away with being as adventurous against probably the better teams now that now that we're in the top six split. Ross County were honking. They were really, really bad. They were. 6-1 we
0: flattered. Yeah, them, they They could have
2: had double digits. Yeah, It, was one of, it reminded me of the Cowdenbeath game, that Hearts could score every time they went forward um, at times. So I, it, it, I don't want to take anything away from the performance because it doesn't deserve to have anything taken away from it because it's it's as good as we've seen us for a while. But we now have five games against sides in and around us who will not defend as badly as that, two of which the teams are above us. Um, and we have to go to Ibrox. We've got Celtic at home after the split. And you'll not get away with, with going as far forward, but that's fine. That this wasn't about Celtic and Rangers. This wasn't about Aberdeen, Hibbs, and St Mirren. This was about Ross County. This was about getting an early goal. Alex Cochran gave us that. It settled the crowd, who I thought were behind us right from the start. And we've spoken on this podcast about Hearts fans in the past few weeks, and I think quite rightly so. Come on, to the players, what, what you got for us? There's only so much that Hearts fans can do. Um, and the St Mirren game especially. I thought Hearts fans' first 10 minutes tried their best but then it just, it, they weren't seeing anything to get behind on the pitch. Whereas against Ross County, they did. And the atmosphere, one feeds off the other. We spoke, we've spoken many times, Laurie, about is it up to the players or the fans to create an atmosphere to perform for the, for the fans? It was up to the players. Fans do their bit week in, week out. There's only so much you can give, though. But when you're seeing it reciprocated... On the pitch, the noise level intensifies, the fans are off their seats. And it was it was great. And it might do you know what? It might be too little, too late come the end of the season. However, whether damage has been done, too much damage already or what, that's given us something, it's given us hope that we didn't have before that game. And that's all you can ask for right now.
0: It certainly is. Uh, funnily enough, um, we actually had five more shots in this game than we did against Cowden Beath in the 10-nil game. And County Beath had the same amount of shots on target as Ross County did, which was one. So, mm. um <laughs> By the way, how's Jordan,
2: how's Jordan White not scored?
0: Uh, yeah, he probably should, yes. Off probably Ross should! Park. Goodness
2: gracious. However,
0: before that 22nd minute, Josh Gianelli puts Hearts two ahead, albeit it took a little while to confirm it. But this is the moment I think you're thinking of. It's Haring and Devlin are both snapping at the County player. They win the ball back. And as it breaks the devil and he immediately looks up and it's a 30-yard a plus pass. He just plays it straight up the park. And it's so early. I mean, Ginelli's only, what, two, three yards inside the county half. Um, But as soon as he's spun off the shoulder, he's through on goal. And it is a very cool finish. He checks back inside on his left foot, picks out the top corner. Um, It's a tight offside, I have to say. At first I thought he was just off, but it's the player um, kind of in front of the Hearts dugout on the far side that actually plays him on in the end. But Again, it's that quick tempo playing it forward, like you say. And when you've got someone like Josh Ginelli, I understand when Ginelli's out, you maybe don't always have that option to play it straight through for who's up front. and um, because you know, Shanklin doesn't play necessarily that same way. But the great thing with Ginelli is he can play off the shoulder like that. He's got that turn of pace. If if you have him in the last defender and you can play the ball through, sometimes you can just play it over the top or play it quickly through because mm-hmm. he'll beat yeah. most defenders in a foot race.
2: I thought it was interesting Malky Mackay was talking about that was only the second time this season that they just had one collectively. It was just a, let's put that behind us and move on. And and when he was talking about two out of 31. Now, I know the bottom of the table, but he's talking about real stinkers. And they had a real stinker. And they couldn't track runners, whether it was a ball over the top, for the pace of Ginelli. Just just Shankland and, and Ginelli. Shankland's so... Much more potent with Janelli in the lineup because he's he's there or thereabouts. He's he, they have a really good relationship. Josh janelli's out of contract in the summer. Are you keeping him?
0: Yes. Okay, I, I, ab- I absolutely would. I mean, if the options there, we don't know. Maybe maybe Josh janelli doesn't fancy it, but if the options there, I think he's shown uh, more than enough to suggest that he be worth the contract with his, you know, with his, even just his goal return. Remember, he's not been playing out as an out-and-out striker completely. He's on 11 for the season now. Um, I just think you've got someone who's proven he can do it at this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's, you know, he's part of the team. He's obviously a strong part of the team. You know, it's very hard to, you know, nothing's almost, almost no players are a kind of guarantee when your heart's, you know, if you if signed someone from another Scottish team who's been doing it, you probably think it's a solid signing. You know, when, when Shanklin signed, I, I don't think, I underestimated just how well he would do, Um, but I didn't think it was a poor signing. You knew he would score goals. He wouldn't suddenly be terrible. Um, He's been far better than I anticipated, which I'm delighted about. But yeah, I I, I would have to keep him. Yeah.
2: I would definitely keep him. I hope he doesn't get greedy, and by that I mean his agent. I hope his agent doesn't fill his head full of mints and say, "Oh, you could be earning this, that, or whatever." Josh Ginelli is someone who probably lacks consistency. Abilities there, that finish, my god. Um, and I'm, I'm glad both of that, them. That, but yeah, the one that was the one that was right in the top corner. I mean, wow, I'm glad that was onside. The the one that VAR checked. Um, and if he's making our key player, better, and I think he does, Lawrence Shankland, then I keep him. And my concern is that he has his head filled by his agent with whatever. Now, uh, look, ultimately, I was listening to Alex Ray on Get Involved Referee podcast earlier. Alex has been at Reading, and he was talking about the wages that are on offer in the championship yeah, compared to, to up here. I mean, a lot of the championship clubs are paying more than Rangers or Celtic are paying. Never mind Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs and, and the likes. What is Josh Gianelli's level if he went down to England right now? And if it is a championship level, which I'm sure he could play in that, um, that championship, he could probably earn a lot more money by going down there. So it's not like Hearts is the only option in town for him. Now, his agent, his agent can fill his head full of mints if he wants, because if his agent does his job and gets him four or five times as much as he's getting paid by Hearts, if he moves to England, it's a no-brainer. You're not going to pay that. I think it's going to be interesting if um, if it comes down to an offer that he's had from England compared to hopefully he gets an offer from Hearts. How far out would you push the boat to keep Josh Ginelli? What is he worth to Hearts? Yeah. That's the big one.
0: Yeah, and that's a decision for... Joe Savage and sure, such sure. like to make because you know you know we know or we hear about certain numbers sometimes, but yeah, in the end, you know, no one outside fans, you know, even if they have a, a an idea of certain players or some rough numbers, they don't know exactly what everyone's on because it's changing and players will be getting new contracts and they'll have increased clauses or whatever. So it's very hard to say because if you knew, if you knew what everyone was on, you could probably make that decision uh, um it, it's it is tricky because uh, when he's a free agent um he also can dictate a bigger signing on fee etc because the club won't be paying a transfer so you it's one of those it's hard to begrudge him if he managed to earn himself a move to english club that would oh, earn him three four times you know you, you couldn't well, debate that. <laughs> certainly hearts i think you'd want to make him a good offer it wouldn't be one that i would say you would make your highest earner, for instance. Whatever no, no that of, might of be. course not.
2: Look, if um, it's doable, we do it. I think that's the way to sum this up.
0: Yeah, ultimately, yeah. I think that's right. Um, but we've only got through two goals, so we, we can return to that when there's maybe, maybe when some news comes out about his contract. Because for all we know, he's about to sign one. For all we know, he's already decided he's not. We just, but we don't at this stage. Um, but Hearts were three ahead before the half hour mark. And it was... <laughs> Mr. Shankland on the score sheet with a a header. And again, Alex Cochran was involved in so much, and it was his cross getting forward again, edge of the box, lovely cross Uh into the back post. And I I thought Shankland was another player who was brilliant. And I think one thing that he's um, not proven me wrong about, but I underestimated just how good his all-round game was. And I think, you know, you saw him involved in the opener, um, spinning a player laying it into the box. His link-up play is brilliant. Just so clever in this position and get to the back post, using his body well and then directing the header back across goal and in. Um, a sensational goal and it's good to see him getting on the score sheet from open play, which he's got more of than penalties now.
2: <laughs> good, yeah. And what's that, 25 for the season in total with the hat-trick but, and finally getting to 20 in, in the league? Just... I mean, where would we be without him? Is the thing. And twenty-five and go back goals. Shy. <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's not like that because it's like you take the goals that Erling Haaland scores out of the Man City team. Well, someone else is going to be playing. They're not going to score yes, as many, same. but others might step up. So we wouldn't. I don't think we be in anywhere near the position. We would. I don't know if we'd be top six without Lawrence Shankland. I think he's been phenomenal. Um, and and Gianelli's helped helped make him better. Um. When he's played, and, and so is Barry McKay when he when he's been on form. But it was it was a great delivery from from Cochran. I Wonder yeah. if we'll ever find out I, I, the Aberdeen thing when he got, he got taken off there and in the half. Mm. I don't know if he said
0: something or whatever, and didn't
2: really feature at all
0: after that. So um, we, yeah, we we may never know the ins and outs. Um, but yeah, he was brilliant and another great cross. And uh, you know, first half we're still in the first half, deep into added time, and again. What led to the fourth goal was, was Cochrane coming forward. He did that lovely underlapping run. Um Barry Mackay, who has looked like the Barry Mackay we know and love, slipped it through to him. Great run towards the byline, cut it back. Shanklin got a touch on it. Um now this is where this is where I, I get VAR got to the right decision. Okay. So we will get a hearts penalty two minutes after um the foul. But on commentary, I was kind of laughing, saying, Why are we still playing? Like, Shackley got tripped and he was in disbelief. And it was so clear. I think even Dylan, young Dylan Smith, who I, I feel sorry for a little bit because he he, he had a shocker, but he's 16. Um, so he, a very good prospect. It's his fourth consecutive start. By all accounts, he's done very well. I saw him in the Ross County Aberdeen game. I thought he looked solid in that one. Hearts made him look like a 16 year old who's very inexperienced in this game. So I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll learn from it, but sticks out his leg, and it's almost comical. You know, it's like when someone's, um, it's like when a kid's running through the corridor at school, and someone slyly sticks out a leg to trip him up, and he, just goes, fl- <laughs> and he goes flying, you know. <laughs> Somebody's just blatantly stuck their leg out, because they could they saw the temptation to be a dick. And it's just so
1: obvious. <laughs> it's, it's just so obvious. And I,
0: and I don't know if the referee, did, this is what, I think I messaged you guys after the game, the, I think referees are just scared to make decisions now because oh well, VAR will check it and we'll have a look at it. But it shouldn't be you know, VAR should be there to if he thinks it's a penalty, gives it a penalty, and he should be giving it on the assumption that if if somehow I'm wrong here, VAR will find out. Not I need to wait for them to check it before I give anything. Um, so I, like, I know it's minor in this instance because it's a game we won comfortably and we got the penalty, but it just irks me a little bit um, that. I feel like referees don't want to make decisions now.
2: I know what you're saying, and I, I get that, and I don't think that's a uh, an isolated example. Um, listening again to the Get Involved Referee podcast earlier, they were discussing that, and Des, good friend of the show, Des Roach, mentioned that, that Don Robertson would have gone home that night going, Shh, how did I not get that? Because it is blatant. I and mean, The minute he gets called over by the fourth official, He's probably thinking, oh, okay, okay. And then he sees it, and he didn't take long um, to to give it. Um, Over the piece, I thought he was fine, Don Robertson. I don't think there's a particularly good crop of of referees in in Scottish football. So when you're average, that's a good day. I mean, it's damned by faith praise. But it's a shocker that he's not seen
0: that. I just think it's symptomatic of an issue where referees are now Relying on VAR to referee games rather than using it to—I agree with that. I agree with correct errors, which is what should be. It's a comfort blanket
2: now, isn't it? It's like Linus; it's his comfort blanket. VAR is the comfort blanket, but ultimately, VAR VAR is not being used to re-referee games. It will never be thus. VAR is used to to make sure clear and obvious errors are uh, identified and and overturned, as that one was. So it. It's worked well, very well for for both for the penalty and for for the offside. Now the offside is objective; it either is or or it isn't. Uh, I had a an offside decision on Sunday. I was doing Sevilla against Villarreal. and it was a good three four minute wait. And this was an offside that was subjective because they had to decide if there's an. In- intended move right by okay. yeah not the yeah so that's that's why people say well well why is he coming over at the monitors if it's an offside if it's a draw the lines it doesn't need the referee yeah that's what the, that's what it's all about but when you've got someone who potentially could be in an offside or or position or not and it's up to the referee and the fourth official to have a corn flap to decide did he make a deliberate play on the ball blah 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 with this I thought both I thought var and the referee worked very well. Um, yeah, and and that, be, I, that's what it's for.
0: Yeah, I did have an issue with the offside one because it was really tight. So I I understood the delay in that, and that's what it's there for. You know, he can't, you can't, you can't rely on the officials to get that in real time. You, you, they've told the assistant not to put the flag up if there's any doubt, and that one was really tight. Um, so I have no issues with that at all because it was tight. And when I first saw the clip come up, I thought he looked off. Um, so. I saw a clip, and I thought it was off. So, you know, you can't expect... So, I've got, I've got no issues with that. I just thought the penalty's more making a decision on a foul, which looked pretty blatant, and he was in a decent position for it. So, He's um, anyway. anyway, anyway. Shanklin Shankland dispatched it, as he always does. Although, I think he was disappointed. I think <laughs> he looked disappointed that he let the keeper get a touch on it. Um, 12 yeah. from 12. 12 from 12 from the spot. That's, man, wow, that's impressive. And as someone messaged me saying, did he not miss one? He did. However... It was then retaken.
2: Retaken By was that Celtic.
0: Football. It was Celtic. So mm-hmm. um, he took it. Ginelli scored the rebound. We all celebrated, but it was retaken and he scored the same one. So that I did miss one, but that does not count because went back. So still got his, still got his hundred percent record.
2: <laughs> Unlike a, what the, the quirky one, I always think is harsh. A player scores, takes his top off, gets booked for it. VAR then disallows the goal, but the yellow card the still stands. stands. yeah. yeah. So while as as Shanklin doesn't have a missed penalty this season against his record, because it was expunged for encroachment. That's this week's word, expunged. <laughs> um, a, a yellow card is not expunged if a player is booked for taking his top off, even if the goal is then chopped off.
0: Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit
1: fhmcdsigns.co.uk.
0: So, half time, 4 nil up. Um, and I mean, the stats, even at half time, I think I sent the stats <laughs> through to you guys, like 16 <laughs> shots, five on target. Um, 66% possession. It shows me that's the difference. I think um, another friend of the show, Ian McLeod, was posting this on Twitter about the fact there's the difference, you know, um, all that possession. But And it's not just shots, it's actually good opportunities because we've not even got to the fact that, you know, Shanklin hit the bar with a, frankly, outrageous effort. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. There were there were plenty other chances that Hearts could have scored from. Um, and I think that summed it up. And the good thing was passing accuracy was still... 75%. You know, we were obviously taking risks, so it was maybe slightly lower. I've not got the comparison in front of me, but it wasn't like we were suddenly playing percentage football when it went down to you know 50, 60 odd percent, where we're just playing up and looking for the second ball. We were playing riskier passes, so sometimes they got cut out or didn't reach their target. But on the whole, the quality of what we were playing was, was still very good. The the execution of most things was very good. And yeah. It carried on as well. I know that, you know, the second half, there was always that little, little lull at the start of the second period. It always seems to happen, especially if a game is sure. pretty much done. But we didn't really let up in the second half overall. And um, fifth goal came, 12 minutes in the second half. And it was a Cochrane throw in. I'm going to try and mention Cochrane with almost every goal here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you'll get an assist for that. And it's Ginelli just taking a shot early. It's nothing more complicated than that. He's not quite the 30 yards, I think I said in commentary, but it's about 25. But again, it's just taking a shot early. And I, I like, I, even that I quite liked because we've, we've seen it so many times with Hearts in games where they've not got the result we wanted. It's just frustrating, like passing it around, even getting to the edge of the box and still slowly moving it, kind of almost trying to play the perfect pass or the perfect goal. And it's like sometimes have a pop. And yeah. that was all that was.
2: I, I think there's been a tendency for a while, not just under Robbie Nielsen, but under previous managers as well, take away Ru- Rudy Skatchel from that team. And there's been a lot of times we've tried to overplay, whether it's score the perfect goal or take three touches when two would do, take five touches when three would be sufficient. And it's great when you get a goal like that. Ru- Rudy scored plenty from from a similar area, um, but it's it's expected-unexpected if you're the goalkeeper. It's very difficult for for them. If you've got a shot like that with a little back lift um, and a shot from, from that kind of distance out, you would think that they could do better. But, yeah, you, you've just caught them out. And, and it, it was a super strike. It it really was by, by Josh Ginelli. Two Two really good goals from him.
0: Yep. And, you know, at that point, it just felt like how many? And it was six, two minutes later, Shanklin getting his hat trick and it was just again closing down good intensity from hearts it was Barry mckay getting involved and another thing i should mention you know, Barry mckay was great on saturday with you know his passing and his attacking wise but did you notice the time when Barry mckay ran back and put in a slide tackle won the ball oh, on
2: the attack yes
0: incredible yes. i mean i think between that and the fact we left at least one player up when we were defending a corner um you know there's some there was some quite um outrageous bits of play from hearts, even if you take away all the goals, um, which was, it, it was good to see. It's That is a frustration and that's not just a Robbie Nielsen thing. You know, we did it for, certainly under Craig Levine, both spells and lots of teams do it. Everyone back for a corner. Why the frick is Josh Ginelli or Barry McKay in the box for a corner? They're just getting the way. Um, so I quite like that because it means if you get the ball and you can play it forward, you've actually got someone to get kind of, maybe get in behind the defense or hold up and get you on the attack
2: that's the key um, put your put your fastest player if your fastest player is a forward which is likely yeah
0: and i think it was janelle was on the left yeah exactly it makes sense because if you've yeah if it falls to hearts defender in the box and all he does is smash it into the opposition yeah. half He's
2: well, it's going to come straight back
0: and if you've got a fast forward up there he could actually end up being one on one they've got if they've only got two what two players maybe on the halfway line if they just clear it over the top suddenly he could be in so yeah, I've, I've. That's something I've often moaned about because I don't see the point. And sometimes a more congested penalty box makes it harder to defend because there's just so many bodies there.
2: That, that's the thing. I know, I know one or two coaches that leave three
0: up because we those saw, three maybe against they, hips. Yeah, exactly. There were four players around this, but mm-hmm. no one, but no, no one was defensive minded. So they all just stood there.
2: Yeah, but if you if you've got three players, that A can't really defend, but B are pretty good attacking, and all of them are quick. Leave them on halfway. If they're no use in the box, there's some strikers, some forwards that are really good defensively. Whether it's aerially, um, Humphreys is pretty good um, defensively in our box when we're trying to clear. But if you've got pacey players, leave three up. They've got to leave four. They want. They're going to go three on three.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and obviously the the um, the knock on effect from that is they can't put as many players in your box because they're not going to leave. They're not going to leave their team outnumbered. So yeah, uh, good to see, and um. The sixth goal, obviously, Mackay involved. Uh, Dylan Smith was caught again for that one, and Oda. Oh, like, you, you could hear the anticipation mm. around Tyne Castle when he, he dragged it um, dragged it into the box, and and the chance opened up. Everyone willing him to score. Unfortunately, it was blocked, and there was Lawrence Shanklin with a a beautiful little dink, just to coolly find the back of the net. And I think that you know sums up just quality that Lawrence Shanklin has brought. That maybe we didn't realize he would be able to bring because so many players would just smash that. And they might have scored to be fair, if you smash it there, but you got bodies in front of you. If you smash it, it could just deflect out, could deflect over. You don't know what's going to happen. He did not do that. Um very quick thinking and very clever with his final finish.
2: We scored six goals in one game in ninety minutes. And it took us over twelve hours of football prior to that. To score six goals,
0: there's only there's is... only 59 minutes of the game that it took us. To... Yeah,
2: I know, it's frightening. I thought it was a really clever finish. The camera angle made it look like slow motion a little bit. Um, just a, when you see it yeah. from the replay, he's a, he's a clever player. He really is. He's instinctive. He's a super finisher. Might not be the quickest, but I tell you what, like Robbo, if you're quick upstairs, if you're if you've got a quick football brain, just to try that. I mean. <laughs> Some you say some people would smash it, some people might take a touch or or however they might decide to try and get a goal. We've got a good one in, in in Shankland. We really do.
0: We do. And and something that you know we've moaned about on here sometimes, and and fans have moaned a lot about, it was him not playing as the spearhead, the number nine. However, I think when it does work really well is when he's got Ginelli mm-hmm. in that team. Because mm-hmm. you know, is the one with the pace who plays off the shoulder. Shanklin is the one who can play off him and when we get into attacking positions he does get into the box like with his header but you can see it does make sense to play him off to play him as that kind of number 10 often or the false nine at, at times in the game because his link up plays so good and he doesn't have that pace on the shoulder so there's no point in trying to play him in behind because he won't be able to get clear of a defender as quickly as Ginelli so I, I like it when Janelli's in there playing him off him. I think... The argument for me would be to play him as a nine when there isn't a Ginelli there. But um, yeah, I think it worked really well in that system and it showed with with how clear we got. And, and Oda, you know, he had a great game. I think we were all willing him to get a goal. And to be honest, less than an hour gone at 6-0, it, not taking the piss, we could easily have gone on and scored 10. Um, and it wouldn't have, like I say, it wouldn't have flattered us, to be honest, with the chances we created. Um, it's funny as I, I did mention to you guys as well. So in the lift after the game, um, Oda was was in the lift, and he just seems he seems like a very a very nice guy, very down to earth. He still had his translator there, so I I was introduced to him as the commentator via the translator, and he immediately gave me a nod and shook my hand, very very polite, which I, I know is uh, a, a cultural thing as well. I think the Japanese are very polite generally, um, but. Obviously, that's gonna be a big thing for him settling in as well. You know, new country, English isn't you know uh, isn't up to speed yet. I'm sure it will be. He's only had a few months so far, but it was really nice. So I he, I
2: suppose it's the same for Gary Locke. I mean, he moved from Birmingham, <laughs> from Birmingham, from yeah. to Edinburgh, but I had to learn a, a totally new language <laughs> as well.
0: So maybe that's why he doesn't. Maybe that's why his English isn't great yet. It's Gary Locke trying to teach him. <laughs> um, but then he walked in the lift, obviously ahead of me, and he went into the the director's lounge obviously was people having their their meals Well, the skyline lounge that side of it and um he got a big round of applause and he looked kind of taken aback by it all but it was really nice and he he seems like a very down-to-earth and just a a nice young chap um and i just thought it was i thought it was very good you can see how many people um reacted positively to it as well i think a lot of his teammates and people around the club seem to be really delighted Mm -hmm. that it came together for him so i really hope it's the start of A good run, and don't get me wrong. You know he's young, and he's in a attacking position where you'll inevitably have you know peaks and troughs. So I'm sure he's going to have the odd game where he's quiet still, but hopefully that's a big confidence booster for him. Um, And the team as a whole, we won't speak about County getting a go back because whatever Xander Clark won't be happy. But um, I
2: thought I thought there was a foul initially on our player. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, which, I mean it's one it's, look. It's one of these. I, again, we're not going to speak about it. So we do. Um, it's a penalty. Once he's in, it, it's a foul. I think it was Cochran wasn't it? But I thought he was at it in the first place. But no, if we're if we're nitpicking, what I, what I would say is, if those players are all fit um, in a couple of weeks' time or less than less than that, then that's your starting lineup. There's no need to make any changes whatsoever. I was talking earlier about formation and and tactics. Um, I, I think. We'll, we'll not see anything near as adventurous as that against Celtic in the first game back after the split. However, I think if it could be a variation of that, I think you're gonna find if it's if it is Stephen Naismith, forget next season. If it's it's gonna be Stephen Naismith, Frankie McAvoy, Gordon Forrest who's now in the end of the season. I think we 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 saw enough against Ross County, because it's worked, to suggest that's that's what they'll probably try and do between now and the the next five games before the season ends so I think we're going to concede more goals but I think we're going to score more as well Um, so hopefully plenty of entertainment uh, to come between now and and the end of the league season
0: I guess one question um, now: nothing's been confirmed uh, yet in terms of uh, Natty Atkinson, hopefully there's nothing serious, I know he had to go off injured if for some reason Atkinson was out, given Smith is already himself. out, just put yeah, Hill. No. He did okay when he came on. Yeah, no, I I just wondered if. Well,
2: what what are what are our options? There's not
0: really. So I just wondered. We just just have to put Hill there straight away.
2: I don't. I don't see why you would change Star back three. You're no, not playing there. No. You're not playing Forrest no, there. Not if it's a back right four. No. No, no. I'm talking about even if you play a three against. Okay, Celtic. sorry, yeah. Um, if they play a three against Celtic, it means you probably have to play Alan Forrest there and they'll, they'll they'll rip them up for arse paper on that left side. If, if they do that, I'd go, honestly, I'd go exactly the same um, yeah. formation. Really? And,
0: I'd, yeah,
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd play, I'd play hell. I mean, these days, this isn't like Subutio so back in the seventies where you had a formation and that, and that was it. There's fluidity, there's flexibility. Players on, it's like Ajax. They've always had that. They, you're not just, hi, I'm such and such, and this is my position, unless you're a goalkeeper. James Hill could play right back. Is it ideal? No, it's not. Um, I would be signing um, Nicky Devlin, by the way. I think he would be, whether he's a starter or, or whatever, I think we need a right back. He's the club captain at Livingston. He's out of contract. Uh, David Martindale says he's he's moving on. So I I just think well, Michael Smith's not going to last forever. I think Michael Smith's even out of contract in the summer, isn't he? Did I read yes. that right? Yeah. So again, I think if he does stay, and I don't know if he will, but he'll he'll be a squad player at best next season. And and you need competition for the right back position. And and, and right now, I'd, I'd have Nicky Devlin ahead of Natty Atkinson. However, Natty Atkinson's got a choice between now and the end of the season. Sorry, he's got a chance between now and the end of the season to to see what he can do. Um, Ross County at home is very different from Celtic at home because that freedom and flexibility to get forward and be part of the attack like Alex Cochran was on the left-hand side, it's going to be slightly limited against Celtic. You're going to have to do a lot more defending and that's where I think it's an issue for Natty Atkinson. But they've got two weeks to work on it, so hopefully they can.
0: You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel Sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs Who have been offering creative sign and print solutions Since the 1950s So finally The top six split uh, fixtures Were confirmed I was just earlier today at the time of recording So that's Tuesday There was meant to be Monday But delays, delays And um it, <laughs> Sunday took a little bit of wind out of our sails, I think, Mark, didn't it? You know, we were hoping after a good win for Hearts, uh, obviously if Rangers could turn up and defeat Aberdeen, it would have put us going into the split um, just two behind them. And even a draw would have put us three behind them with a much better goal difference. So we were speaking about it before the game. We said, you know, if if Rangers just get something, you would feel... it's not that we're. It's in, it's it's looking great for us. You know, Aberdeen would still be in a driving seat, but you know we've got a decent chance. We're basically if we beat Aberdeen, we just have to. It max would be and in our hearts, hands. Games. Yeah, but well, yeah. it's not. Um, but it's not, and I think it. The feeling would be, and I think both of us would probably feel the same. It, it feels like it's gone now. That feels like that result for Aberdeen. You know, seven wins in a row, a five point gap, but there's five games left, and both teams are obviously playing Rangers and Celtic again. It feels like it's. Probably gone. That's not. It's not completely. Um, we'll talk about the kind of ins and outs of it. So it took a, it took the wind out of the sails a little bit. But was, what annoys me with the top six or both split fixtures is why does it take so long? Because you're going to the last lot of fixtures. There wasn't much that could have changed. There was what one team could have gone to top six in the um, in place of potentially two others who could have gone to the bottom six. But you you've only got a couple of different or maybe three different scenarios there. Surely they have all these scenarios then, you know, drafted. You're assuming competence in Scottish
2: football hierarchy. Come on now, Laurie.
0: Just, and and we know it's all about deciding where, where when and where Celtic can win the league and make sure that it's for all to see. And the fixtures came out, Mark, and um, delightfully, uh, they've obviously scheduled it to hopefully have Celtic winning that league title at Tynecastle.
2: You're never going to get uniformity of agreement when you've got something that can only be the same as the previous year, i.e. a split, if it's the same teams that finish in the top six. And of course, it's not, so... You've got changes and fixture swaps and whatever, and the, the, there's no uniformity of agreement because the manager of the team that's about to win the league is now complaining that the home fans won't get the chance to see their team. I mean, you're always going to get something. If it's not Ange Postacoglu, it's Michael Beale. If it's not Michael Beale, it's Stephen Naismith. If it's not Stephen Naismith, you get the chance. So, I just, I felt, a, I just felt some negativity when I woke up this morning and and saw those fixtures. I mean, it's, uh, you want to try and avoid... You want a good start. It's like getting a good start to the season. You you want a good first couple of fixtures to begin the season. And it's the same with this. It's like Celtic at home and then Hibbs in the last game. And, and uh, it's just... It, it's tough. And, and maybe it was a combination of that plus Aberdeen beating Rangers. However, however... You have to look at it like this. We're going to have to beat Aberdeen anyway. We're always going to have to do that. That was the likelihood of of potentially finishing above them, even if they hadn't beaten Rangers. We just have to match all their other results, except one. We have to better one of them. Um, And that has to be a win for us and a draw for them. A, A defeat for them and a draw for us wouldn't be good enough. So if they are to draw one of their games out with our game, we have to make sure we win. So the likelihood is that we're going to have to beat either Rangers or Celtic. And it's yeah. been a long time.
0: And what, um, uh, what I did say to you is, so, I mean, it's not a great schedule. So the, quickly run through. So the first lot of fixtures, Hearts host Celtic. It's Rangers-Aberdeen. Hibs play St Mirren East at Road. Second lot, Aberdeen-Hibs. Rangers-Celtic and St Mirren, Hearts. Third fixture, uh, Hearts host Aberdeen. Um, so Hibs play Rangers. Celtic host St Mirren. And... Uh, fourth, so the penultimate fixtures, rangers Hearts, Aberdeen hosts St. Mirren and Hibs hosts Celtic, and then the final weekend, Celtic-Aberdeen, St. Mirren-Rangers and Hearts hosts Hibs in the Edinburgh Derby. Not on TV. Um but will no, be I did pay-per-view say, though,
2: Hearts pay-per-view.
0: Uh, yes, it will. Uh, well, if, if we can, God, I can't remember what our allocation's at. Um, yeah, but you've got that one. I assume so. Yeah, remember that one. I,
2: I hope you don't get too nervous, because there'll be a huge audience watching that one. It'll be, a, it'll be yeah, massive. It
0: Whatever. Um. So I did say to you guys before, if we had been two points behind Aberdeen, so if Aberdeen lost to Rangers, yeah, I, don't I would have been feeling, I want us to get St at home and Aberdeen and Hibs will both be at home as well. Because then I feel like if we win all three home games, we've got a good chance. Even if we lose Celtic and Rangers. I did say now that Aberdeen have won that game, I thought, right, we're going to have to find something else. I feel even if we win those three home games, and you just mentioned it, so we beat Aberdeen, we beat um Hibbs, and even if we win that game against St. Mirren, which is now away, I feel like we need to get something else. I think we I think maybe we St. Mirren away and one of the old firm at home as a and I, I'm not saying I think this it means we've got a good chance or it's it's likely to happen, but I think if there's any chance, it maybe gives us that tiny chance because. Look, we play Celtic home. Ideally, we would have had that after they'd won the league. So maybe they would have been a little bit more on holiday and there wouldn't be the same intensity. But we've got them when they can win the league. So it's going to be tough. Celtic are going to obviously want to come in and and make a show of things. But what it does give you, you know, Rangers play Aberdeen, so you're hoping maybe they'll bounce back and get a win. But right now... Rangers are we? shite! Uh, that, this is the problem. And Celtic play Rangers this weekend. If Rangers get pumped by Celtic in the cup... They're not going to be that up for this Aberdeen game, are they? Um, so ideally, I think we want Rangers to win, Cel- beat Celtic in the cup. So Celtic are on a downer, and Rangers are high as a kite before they play Aberdeen. I like anyway.
2: Fowler's tweet. He basically said Celtic should just lie down at Tyne Castle, allow Hearts all three yeah, points, so they and can win they can, it. So they can I win I the. Say. Can you imagine with no fans as well? Um, and and that's maybe one of the reasons why a potential title decider could be at Ibrox with Celtic yeah. winning the league there, because there are no away fans, which I think is a joke. Will there be but, any home
0: fans? But,
2: <laughs> I mean, That would be fine, I, wouldn't it? I'm trying to put myself in, in the position. Um, if, if it got down to that, and hopefully that would mean that Hearts have taken something against Celtic, if it got down to that, would you, as a supporter of a club, go to your most bitter rivals when there's no away fans allowed? Would you... Would you want to get a ticket knowing you could not do a single thing during that game, but you'd be there undercover?
0: No. I'd rather watch on TV or in the pub and celebrate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. By the way, those fixtures that you mentioned, if Aberdeen won their two home games, right, if they win their two home games against Hibbs and St. Mirren, hypothetically, that puts them
0: at Which they which
2: they probably should. That puts them at an 11-point advantage. This is before we've played a single game, right? 11 points. Now, they lose at Tyne Castle. That's eight points we've got to make up if Aberdeen win their two home games against Hibs and St Mirren. In four games. Yep. Two of which are against the old firm. Two wins and a draw would therefore not be good enough. That would only give us seven points.
0: No, we so, need to beat St Mirren away, we need to beat Hibs at home, and I think we need to beat either Celtic or Rangers.
2: Yeah. So, so may, maybe, I mean, bear in mind what you've just said about having to beat St. Minham, maybe it's not a bad thing we've got one of them at home, Celtic. That's Rangers. what I said,
0: that's what I said, and yeah. I don't, but, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying I think we're going to do it. No. The likelihood is, the likelihood is, unfortunately, and I said this to a few Aberdeen support mates of mine, I was like, the likelihood is, by the time it gets to the second, by the time it gets to the second fix here, we're probably going to want you to beat Hibs to make sure we stay fourth. So that's the weird
2: thing I mean, the likelihood is that 5th is going to get into Europe and we spoke about that last week it's going to be a round previously but it will be as a seeded team that's assuming that Celtic or Rangers win the Scottish Cup so the likelihood is Hearts will be in Europe next season um, but the, it's, the probability is it's going to be a qualifying round and uh, this isn't a case of um, oh it's going to be too little too late and it probably will be if we go on a bit of run of form and we miss out by whatever Natalie the damage was done the damage was done between kind of start of February and and beginning of April. Um, that that was when the damage was done. And I think it's and Bovril put out. Uh, they always do kind of comparisons and tweets about. Oh yeah, yeah. I know which one you're going your to? Yeah. I think it's a twenty six point swing. Arts are nine points worse off at this stage, prior to the the split, the five, final five fixtures, and Aberdeen are seventeen points better off. I think it is. So that that tallies with what I've been saying certainly last season that Hart's strength or one of Hart's strengths, certainly not the strength, is their opponent's weaknesses or ability to a lack of ability to have uh, to have a momentum. I mean that's that's quite the turnaround from, from it is. 17, and even 17. And,
0: and even this not even just this season to last season, but the last seven games, you know, they've won seven in a row. I mean, could could you have envisaged that? I, I, you know, no. you expected a bit of a reaction from Barry Robson taking over, but I genuinely had Aberdeen fans tell me about, oh God, are we going to get sucked in a relegation battle again? Oh this, uh, oh God, you're going to have to empty this entire team. They're awful, and it's amazing how quickly that can can turn around. I I thought they would certainly be better. I didn't think they would get into any danger. The same I said to Hibs fans the same thing. Um I didn't think they would end up in any danger. But I did not expect Aberdeen to suddenly win seven in a row. And it looked they deserved to win against Rangers in the end. Um second half they were much better. Yeah, They're well organised. Like, I mean it was ugh, I almost spat my beard out when I was watching it when Liam Scales hits a bloody cross which flies in the top corner. And just sums up <laughs> how things are going for them just now. But you know they like Hibbs in the second half against Hearts, they they were hungrier than Rangers. They played with a better intensity, and as soon as Rangers went behind, it just never looked like they were they had the fight in them to try and turn that one around. So it is frustrating from a Hearts perspective, but at the same time, um, it's been some turnaround from Aberdeen. I, I guess what it does give us right now, you know, that Hearts Celtic game, um, there is a bit of an incentive there. You know, potentially, you know, go and beat Celtic, and we're back in it. It's not, it's not something we do often. Um, but we beat them yeah. last season. Um, kickoff kickoff times are weird as well, aren't they? I mean, I know we're live on Sky. 2.15 on the 2:15. Sunday. Yeah. So,
2: when we've finished, it'll be half-time at Eyebrows. Yeah, it'll be
0: yeah because they're just a the three
1: o'clock.
2: Which is a three o'clock, which is, is strange. Oh, there's a lot of strange. But what I would say, by the way, for, for those that are asking, why on earth is Hearts Aberdeen? Never mind Hearts Hibs. Hearts Aberdeen, right? Third against fourth, fourth against third. Why is that not on TV? Sky in London screwed up by picking Hearts against Ross County. That was their third. And knowing that Celtic were due to visit Tynecastle and that would be their fourth, you can only have four picks at each ground, each season. So to go for the Ross County game, they could have had St Johnston-Hibbs on another game that weekend. That means now that they don't have Hearts against Aberdeen or Hearts against Hibbs. As a TV match. Um so pay-per-view will be the way forward for um for some games, certainly the Hibs game. Remember you can only have pay-per-view if it is not a Saturday at three o'clock. That's why we had to move the kickoff time or Hibs requested that um they move the kickoff time of the recent Derby Easter Road to an earlier kickoff because you even though it's pay-per-view you still cannot you're still governed yeah. by the, the blackout. So, at the uh, moment, so the Hearts Aberdeen,
0: you, yeah, the Hearts Aberdeens. yes. Hearts Aberdeen will
2: not be pay per view. Yeah, that, that's not going to be a pay per view. But the the Hearts Hibs will be, and no games down in the the bottom six. I mean, it is a bit of a mockery, but it we've it's not our fault. The the Scottish football bosses sold their soul to, to Sky. They were spooked. They took the deal, and there there will be an increase. I think you're allowed up to forty eight games and we're going to be 41 or 42 come the end of the season. So there are going to be six games that they could have shown. Here's the interesting thing as well. If they wanted to, Sky could sublet six live games. So basically, if they take 42 or 48, Sky could then sublet those six that they're not taking, get some money back, and... Um, no one's asked yet whether it's be, it'd be anybody. If you come up with the money, you could do it. How much money that would be, I don't know. And the other thing is, as well, you would still be hamstrung by the four per season visits to a ground. So, you're not going to get Celtic or Rangers, the likelihood is So, yeah, they've, they've made a bit of a mess of this and I think they deserve a bit of stick. But you're right as well. The SPFL have known about this, and they should have had right. If if that's the top six, then this is what happens, and this should have been done in advance um, of the weekend. Because I know you're saying there's no hurry. If this is this would be their argu- argument, there's no hurry um, because we've got a couple of weeks. Yeah, but if if you've got two options or three options, it's going to be this, this or this. Surely you should be in a position two days after the majority of the games have finished, to say, here's your fixtures, we've spoken with police, we've spoken with Sky, here's what we have now. But no, Scottish football, it's (laughs) Tuesday morning.
0: (laughs) Indeed. We've got a few reactions um, to the final set of fixtures. Mark Well says, like I said the other night, we only need to be two points better through Rangers, Celtic, Hibs, and St Mirren, if, and it's a big if, we beat them. First game's a write-off for us both. Draw against Celtic and Rangers, get the win, then it's neck and neck. Tighter than we thought. Aim for third and fourth takes care of itself. After the meltdown, we still have a chance. And you can't tell me Naismith won't have us fired up for Celtic. The league's done regardless, so if it's um, it's, they don't need to do it tiny. I'm pretty sure Celtic will be up for it, though. But yeah, like you say, maybe they'd want to leave it another week for Ibrox. Um Jordan Sterling says, got two Saturday tickets for Radio 1's big weekend, um, 27th of May, (laughs) Um, which is now Artem and Lothian against Uh, Hibs. Jersey Steve says, can't really complain too much. We haven't uh, had to go anywhere three times and we get three big games at home. The time when we could grumble over Celtic at home when they can clinch the title, Aberdeen play them win all over. Um, But Aberdeen have us both... um, and Old Firm away, so we can look at it in different ways. Uh, Scott Steedman says, need to consolidate fourth. Third win in the last eight weeks. Seven points would be a good return from these games. Uh, James Govan says, need to get fourth locked in. Definitely need to beat the, old, uh, the non-Old Firm teams. How there's no TV coverage of the Derby when it could be a massive game as standard Sky. added no bottom six TV coverage is wild. Yeah, um, I've just explained
2: the why the hearts' yes. heads isn't on. Um, hearts' Hibs will be on pay per view because it's not a three o'clock; it's a twelve thirty. Hearts Aberdeen cannot be um, because this yeah. guy screwed up taking the Ross County game, but he's spot on as well. But the, the bottom six—I mean, Kelly Ross County—they could have it pay per view because it's not going to be a Saturday at three; it'll be a Sunday at three. But what an opportunity! Gee was. I mean, if if ever a TV deal was focused purely on two clubs, they don't even hide it.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, Bri Pye says Aberdeen should be laughing all the way to third place with their fixtures, still hopeful though but think we'll have to get something from one of the old firm games Um, John says having Celtic Hibs and Aberdeen all at home could be the deciding factor in our chances for third Uh, Stevie Morris himself messaged, he said if the fixtures were turned on their head and we had Hibs first I would have been more confident, Aberdeen getting Celtic last before the cup final is a big advantage pessimistic view, could easily lose all five Optimistic view could win three and do third on goal difference. So yeah, plenty, plenty could happen. Um, Where does fourth
2: leave us, by the way, Laurie? As far as managerial appointment is concerned, does a <laughs> lot depend on the manner of these next five games?
0: I think it, for, for me, it does. I mean, I would still be leaning towards what I said before, which is I would rather we didn't take a punt on someone completely inexperienced like Stephen Naismith and that's not necessarily a disservice against Stephen Nesmith who could become one of the Scottish great managers, we don't know Um, if he somehow got third from this position like Barry Robson Aberdeen right now, it would be hard to argue against it for me, it'll come down to we could finish fourth and I could be swayed on Stephen Nesmith if if Ross County was not a flash in the pan if we see a lot more of that in a few more of these games Yeah, it's a very difficult um, question
2: to answer right now, isn't it?
0: I, I certainly wouldn't be basing on one game, and I, and I said that after the Ross County game. It's still one game, you know. If we Celtic, not so much because it's Celtic, but if we have a really poor tops six, and we, you know, bear in mind we could finish sixth still. Um, that's why it's fine. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, I don't think we will, but Oof. Uh, you know, if if we don't pick up form, if, if if well, if we don't maintain what we did against Ross County, then you know that last game against Hibs if they are. And amongst it becomes very important um i'm i'm optimistic that that we will still get fourth, but yeah it's it's a hard one to answer right now i think you'd have to really wow me to and as i say it's not a disservice to him but you know short runs can happen um so let's see that let's let's hope that saturday wasn't a flash in the pan right we're just about the end of this week's podcast. We've not got a game to make a prediction for because, of course, it's Scottish Cup semi-final weekend. So, so it will be now, though. So, yeah, um, th- there definitely won't be any goals um, yeah. for Hearts this weekend. They will be back in action to play Celtic, but we'll be back before that. Um, Ryan McGowan was due to join us. Unfortunately, had to call off late on, um, so we'll, we'll let him off for this one. He did have some good reasons to have to duck away from the podcast this week, but he says he will try and join us next week to talk about the bounce fixture because he'll be playing at Tine Castle on Friday.
2: Yeah, is that I think that's public knowledge? You didn't
0: say It's it's public knowledge. No, it's it's been it's okay. been posted. It's been shared so, yeah, Hearts and Johnson, because there's no games for either side, they want to keep themselves sharp. But do you think it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? They've, St. Johnson have still got to make sure they don't get sucked into relegation or relegation playoff. And Hearts want to keep up momentum and push for for third or at least seal fourth. So, um, it makes sense. And it'll be interesting because we'll be able to get feedback from him, someone who will, will be involved.
1: Hmm.
0: Indeed. Um, apart from that, I don't know, we, we, we can't make predictions, so... D- any homework we've not we've not given anyone homework oh, for a while there's a shout. there's a shout don't know what though okay. I just popped in my head right this moment so I'm putting you on the spot here
2: something to do with the Celtic game team selection or something. it shouldn't I mean that's not really homework because it's it should be unchanged if everyone's fit and obviously you need a right so yeah what about um I mean the likelihood is hearts will be well, regardless, if they get into Europe, you're playing a qualifier. Because even if you finish third, you're still playing a qualifier. Even though you're guaranteed group stage. European memories of of qualifying
0: mm. fixtures, early round fixtures. Let's mm, a bit. Say. Let's let's not let's not um, let's not jump the gun.
2: Well, okay. why, why, don't, why don't you say keep tabs on the the
0: around the funnel social media. Well, um, we'll post something. Yeah, we'll, we'll post something on we'll Twitter. Post, so post get it. Well, have a f- think about it. Yeah. yeah, give us a follow if you don't already at Around the Funnel. Uh, if you want to get in touch, um, you can email us podcast at uk. Uh, but it's been it's been a good weekend, you know. Hearts back to winning ways in emphatic fashion. Wonderful performance, great goals. Let's have more of that. Um, it was good to enjoy the football again. Um, so until next time, hopefully, um, in a couple of weeks we'll be enjoying the football just as much. Thanks for tuning in.